You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, it's Adam. Just a quick reminder that we're on break for the holidays, and Rico Daily will be back with new episodes in the new year. In the meantime, here's one of our favorites from this year. Have you ever done any virtual tourism in Google Street View? You know, that's when you search for a place on Google Maps and then click the Street View option and suddenly you're there? Well, some people have been taking that to a different dimension. Street View has been around for over a decade now, and in that time, Google has collected an immense amount of photos. Many of these have been captured at the same location at different points in time, and Street View actually lets you go back and see how a place looked in the past. Some users are using this feature to reconnect with loved ones that have passed away. Here to explain is Recode's Rebecca Heilwau. Hi, Rebecca. Hey. So let me get this straight. Google Maps has a time travel feature? Yeah. So in 2014, Street View introduced this feature that basically lets you go back in time by kind of reversing the images that Google has collected in a particular place. Now, it, there's a sort of a backlog of all the different photos that were taken before. So it has this sort of time travel element. So, you know, there are photos there that goes far back as 2007. Well, let me back up a second. How exactly does Google create Street View and keep updating it? Google basically has lots and lots of cars and, and sometimes other methods of transportation that it sends around the world, carrying all these different cameras that are taking panoramic images and it collects that data constantly and then uploads it into maps. So you basically have a 3D micro world inside Google Street View. Okay, so I get it. Google has these cars that are taking photos and the photos capture images of people and people pass away. But using the Street View feature now, people can go back in time and see images of people they know or people they loved. Yeah, so there's this phenomenon of people who are you know, going back to places that were meaningful to them, whether it's their childhood home or a grocery store that they used to visit. And sometimes they stumble upon an image of someone that they loved, you know, going about their daily life that's been captured by uh, the Google cars that are taking these images. And it's quite an emotional experience for those people. You mentioned in your article that people have been pointing this out since as far back as 2013. But there was one recent incident that caught your eye. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so there's this UK-based writer named Sherry Turner, and she shared a tweet where she describes using Google Street View to go look at her late mother's house. She doesn't see an image of her mother, but what she sees is that the light is on in the house. And basically her interpretation of it was that that's a sign that her mother was home at the time, and it was very emotional for her, and she described this experience on Twitter of kind of realizing that this car passed when her mom was home and it got all this response online and people were trying to do the same thing too, going to Street View as well, trying to see if they could find 
um, images of their loved ones as well. So one user found their late father gardening outside their home. Another user found their dog looking out the window. So it really kind of is this nostalgia machine. And obviously, this was not the intended consequence behind Street View, immortalizing people. What do you think this says about the extent to which Google manages to capture the world and more specifically capture images of people, perhaps without their knowledge? I think it is a reminder that there's lots of data being collected about us that we're not even aware of. I think one thing that uh, Sherry Turner told me is that the experience of finding this on Street View was really interesting to her because it wasn't like a photograph. Her mom never knew that this was happening. Most of the people who end up being captured in the images of the Google vehicles have no idea that it's happening. So it feels sort of out of the blue, and it is very emotional and can produce nostalgia, but it also is a reminder of kind of surveillance in these moments of our everyday lives. You know, Google has said that they're not just relying on all these cameras, they're walking around and picking up all these data points about our lives. And, you know, Google Maps told us that they thought it was very heartwarming that people were using Street View for this purpose, but Obviously, this was not the intended use of Street View, and there's a whole economy and and sort of data benefit for Google to collect all this information that's more than what Google is focusing on. Well, it is a reminder that these Google Street View cars and Street View in general is a sort of a form of surveillance. And then the fact that you have people that pass away whose images are on there complicates it further. So if we can pull back a little bit further, what does this phenomenon tell us about the way tech companies handle death and the data associated with the deceased. Yeah, I mean, I think the first key thing is that the people who are captured in these images did not have a say in the images being taken and do not have a say in how they're used. So of course, it's really heartwarming for some people that they find these images, but that's not something that the people who are actually captured in them had any decision over or autonomy over. I think, you know, more broadly, it's a reminder that we are in this new age, more of us have lived almost our entire lives on the internet. And now big companies like Google and Facebook have to establish rules for how death and and people dying should be treated in the digital space. Street View is just one example of kind of the way data about people ends up staying on these platforms even after they've passed away. So, you know, Google has had to make up a system for family members to submit requests when someone has passed away and they they need the email address deactivated or to deal with people wanting access to funds that are stored in Google Wallet that's tied to a Google account of someone who's died. You know, Facebook has put in a process of memorializing a user's profile that works on Facebook and Instagram after that person dies. So it creates this new version of an account where no one can actually log in to the memorialized account. And it also shows the word remembering. That's kind of a reminder that this is a memorial to a person and no longer their active profile. And so I think the big takeaway here is that these private companies have so much power that they are determining the norms for what happens after we die, at least as it relates to the internet and it relates to data. And that's one of the most sensitive things that, you know, happens in in humanity. And there are big religious, cultural, and personal differences and debates and questions that need to be asked about how we ought to handle death. And that's not a conversation that's happening. And Google and Facebook and all these companies are kind of going forward on their own, setting up these norms. Yeah, as more of our lives happen online and get stored in databases, 
uh, we have to come up with ways to figure out what to do with it after we pass away. Right. And photos of people that have since passed away isn't the only peculiar thing people are finding on Street View, huh? Right. So it's a reminder that this is just one unintended consequence of a lot of different unintended consequences of the surveillance that Google Street View involves. So there are communities that exist online that focus on trying to find all sorts of weird things on Google Street View, whether it's wild animals, you know, they've found sandstorms, you know, even Google uh, at one point launched like a Where's Waldo game for Street View. But there are other real privacy dilemmas as well. You know, in 2010, a woman living in Japan sued Google after one of Google's cameras captured her underwear hanging out to dry which seems like a big privacy question. Um, there's also the even darker side. You know, in 2013, a man in California had to ask Google to remove an aerial image of his son's dead body uh, to, and had to ask Google to take that offline. And, you know, there have been signs coming for a while that companies have to deal with these really kind of sensitive and dark questions that are raised by death and data. You know, it's important to say Google does have a system for blurring out personally identifying information like faces and license plates. But obviously, as these uh, viral Twitter threads show, people can figure out who is in what image. You know, I think the conclusion here is that Google right now is playing a major role in documenting our daily lives. And that means they're also playing a role in creating artifacts of ourselves after we die. You know, Street View is not going away anytime soon. Um, and it seems like it's becoming not just part of, you know, world history, but people's personal histories um, of their lives. And it's a process that we don't really have much control over right now. Rebecca, have you used Google's uh, time travel feature to, to go back and find anybody or anything from your past? Yes, I once caught uh, my younger brother eating lunch outside of our building. So that was that was interesting. When your story came out, I did it too. And I found myself going back and looking at all of the bars and restaurants that have gone out of business in my neighborhood since the pandemic. And it was uh, bittersweet, to say the least. Yeah, um, I will know that even after when the story published, you know, I had at least one person email me actual screenshots of the images they found of their parent who passed away that they were able to find because we published this this story. And I think this is, you know, we're in a cycle where this keeps happening, where people keep discovering this feature that's not really advertised by Google inadvertently. And then more people discover it. And this creates this really long viral cycle. Well, Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Adam Clark Estes, and this is Rico Daily. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Christian Ayala. Let us know if you want to learn more about something specific. Email us at ricodaily at rico.net. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.